The reading this morning is from Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, and we're reading from verse 26. Uh, It is a fairly familiar passage, one of my favourites. Matthew 11, verse 26. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you with the confession this morning that what we've just heard is uh, so much more than ink on a page or words flashed on a screen, but that it is a living part of your holy and infallible word to us. And with that confession on our lips, Lord, we pray that you will prepare us to uh, meditate and ponder on the meaning of this text this morning, because Lord, we we know and we confess that it is through your word that you feed us, that you grow us, and that you shape us into the people that you uh, want us to be to your glory. So Lord, we come before you with expectant hearts, and we pray that you yourself will minister uh, to those hearts this morning. We thank you, Lord, that we can pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. It's really good to be uh, back here again um, and to share from the Word of God with you. Um, You've probably all heard the expression, uh, mostly said to really gullible people, uh, if you believe that, I have a bridge to sell you. I'm not sure if it's still being used, but uh, you may have heard it somewhere. It's actually a bit of uh, an historical background to this expression. It relates to the activities of a man by the name of George Parker, who for years and years and years in New York, on a weekly basis, sold the Brooklyn Bridge, uh, at least twice a week, apparently. His sales pitch, mostly made to people who were new to the city, was that if they bought the bridge from him, they could be uh, able to erect toll booths on the Brooklyn Bridge, and that people passing into the city will have to pay them for the use of the bridge. And the police regularly had to remove these uh, attempts at toll booths that people uh, put on the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, And and you obviously notice it's a uh, simple little problem with uh, Parker's sales proposal, and that is that he obviously had no right whatsoever to sell the Brooklyn Bridge, because it didn't belong to him. Neither did he have the right to sell Madison Square Garden, the Statue of Liberty, or the Metropolitan Museum of Art. 
all of which he also regularly sold to unsuspecting buyers. So let's leave the idea of bridge building in the background for a moment. It will soon become clear why I dredged up this particular bit of criminal history and focus on this uh, passage. Um, this is a, one of those passages in the Bible that I think we've all heard multiple times that we're really familiar with, that you've probably memorized uh, in Sunday school, and that is worthy of being prefaced with great. There are some parts of the Bible that we, we see as so earth-shattering, so important in their message, that we preface them with the word great. For example, the great commandment, love the Lord your God uh, and love others. Or the great commission, go into all the world and uh, uh, make disciples of all nations. And what we have here could easily therefore be prefaced with the word great in terms of the great invitation, the great invitation of Christ to the people of the world to come to Him. Because Jesus here is making an, an invitation that is nothing so short of staggering in its reach, in its scope, and in its promise. He simply says, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and I will give you rest. Wait a minute, I hear someone in the audience say, haven't we heard this all before? Isn't this one of those, I have a bridge to sell you kind of offers? Well, actually, that's not in the text. But <laughs> I'm sure Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, must have anticipated this kind of response. Because there have been so many false promises and false solutions offered to the people of Israel. This is why he introduces his great invitation with several strong statements that indicate that he is in fact able, that he has the authority to uh, make this great invitation. The way in which he offers the invitation makes it clear in fact that he has nothing less than divine authority and that this is therefore much more than a bridge for sale. So, so how does Jesus emphasize his authority? Just uh, follow, me, uh, fo follow along in your Bibles as we uh, begin at uh, verse 25. Firstly, Jesus emphasizes that both the Father and the Son <coughs> has incontestable and universal authority. In his prayer at the beginning, Jesus prays to God the Father as the Lord of heaven and earth. The Lord of heaven and earth. In other words, the Lord and God of everything. Uh, there is nothing that is beyond the scope of God's reach. Nothing that's beyond the scope of God's rule. God is God of everything. And then he goes on to say, all things. In other words, also including this authority has been handed to me by the Father. So the implication is clear. Jesus has the authority to speak on behalf of the Lord of heaven and earth. He is more than able to say what, he's a, what he is going to say, and he is more than able to follow through on the promise that he is about to make. Let me try and illustrate this. If I, um, we, we don't use checks all that much anymore, so um, kids, checks are little pieces of paper on which we, um, we wrote promises um, that I will pay X amount, and then you take it to the bank, and the bank would take it out of your account and put it in the account of someone else. Um, so if, if I were to take out a, a check for uh, $100 million, saying to you, the first person 
who come and get this check can go to the bank and cash it. I'm pretty sure there wouldn't be a, a massive rush to snatch it from my hands because you can probably work out that that check will bounce really quickly and really high. There's nothing or not, not enough in my bank account remotely to, to honor that check. If, however, uh, Bill Gates came to church one Sunday morning and made the same uh, offer. If you come and get this check, uh, you can take it to the bank and cash it and get a, a $100 million. I'm sure at, you'd at least be interested <laughs> to, to come and get it because I, I think you can work out that you know, his bank account would be able to back up that promise. And in the same way, if Jesus is speaking on behalf and with the authority of the Lord of heaven and earth, we can work out that he is able to honor the promise that he is make, making, that, that he can do what he is in fact uh, promising. Secondly, Jesus tells us that he has exalted an intimate knowledge of the Father. Uh, nobody um, has this kind of authority if you're just a human being. So, so Jesus here is speaking of his own divine uh, authority. The Son and the Father knows each other through and through. In other words, Jesus here is saying, if I'm going to make this invitation, it is going to reflect the will of the Father in heaven. It is in line with God's purposes, in line with the eternal purpose of God, in fact, to bring the nations to himself. Also, thirdly, Jesus is able to say these things because God revealed it. Um, this is, in fact, how Jesus begins his prayer. Um, that God revealed it even to the little children. So as the Father reveals to the Son, the Son is able to reveal to others. So three uh, clear indications that this is not an idle promise. This is not simply just another bridge for sale offer. Christ has all authority. Christ has intimate knowledge of the will of the Father. And Christ ultimately is the one who br is bringing the revelation of the Father to the world. So therefore, he is able to make the invitation. And what is the invitation? It is, come to me. Come to me. These words are staggering in its own right, but Jesus is not merely um, saying something totally new. He's, he's, he's tapping into, I believe, a very rich vein of um, Old Testament uh, invitations. For example, Isaiah 45:22, where God the Father says, Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Turn to me and be saved. So here, Christ is a personification of this ancient promise, this ancient invitation, as he addresses it, not only to the people in front of him, but also to those uh, at the ends of the earth. Let's tease out some of the elements of this invitation. Firstly, there is an important uh, qualification, uh, if we can call it uh, like that. In order for us to come, we have to realize that we are weary and burdened. That's an important first step. We need to realize that we need this invitation, that we need this rest uh, that Christ offers. 
those of you who were still catechized with the, the Heidelberg Catechism will know that we need three things uh, in order to, to understand God's salvation. And the first one is we need to understand the depths of our sin and our misery. We, we need to understand these things before we can come. Otherwise, we will be like that man in a temple coming before God, praying, saying, God, I am so thankful that I'm such a wonderful person. I do all the prayers. I do all the fasts. I give all the money, and I'm especially not like this guy next to me. Implication is you have to accept me. I don't need you. I just need your uh, approval. And then Jesus says there's another guy next to him, the tax collector, simply beating his breast saying, Oh, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then Jesus asks, so, so who is justified before God? And the answer really is clear. The one who had a full realization of the fact that he is weary and burdened. What Jesus is saying here is, is so much more rich in the context of uh, Matthew 23, just two chapters before this, where we have the second longest sermon in, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew by Jesus after the Sermon on the Mount. And this sermon, all of it is directed at the scribes, the Pharisees, and their legalism. Nine times Jesus says to them, Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites! Uh, and then he gives the reasons for their hypocrisy. Uh, for example, in 23 verse 4, They tie up heavy loads on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. They tie up heavy loads. Jesus now is going to say, I will take heavy loads. Can, can you see the contrast here? The, um, the teachers of the law is essentially saying to people, keep the law, keep it scrupulously, keep it as, uh, as closely as possible, and by this way you will drag yourselves up to God by your own hair, uh, as it were. The heaviest of heavy burdens that we can carry. Jesus, on the other hand, says, if you are like that, if you are heavy laden, I will give you rest. So, a wonderful, wonderful promise. But we need to understand that we need Him. That we need the load to be lifted from our shoulders. That we are, in fact, uh, weary and burdened. That we can't save ourselves. That we can't get to God of our own bat. That we need Him. This is a really, really difficult thing to, to grasp for us as modern people because we are so often told, you can do it. That coming to the place where I say, no, actually, I can't, <laughs> is, uh, is a difficult place. But that kind of repentance and realization that I truly, deeply need Him is the first step before coming. Secondly, uh, why should people come and what will the result be? Uh, they should come because he will, in fact, uh, give him rest, or gi give them rest. Uh, coming to Jesus will result in everything that those who are burdened and striving, the desperate masses of our world, are yearning for, the kind of rest that we long for. The ability to learn from one who understands us better than we understand ourselves. And a yoke that is, in fact, a pleasure to carry rather than one grinding us into the ground. 
looking at this invitation from the other side of the cross and the empty grave, we can rejoice in the way that Jesus achieved the kind of freedom that he speaks of here by carrying the heaviest possible burden, namely the sins of the world. We can know that when Christ on that cross cried out, it is finished, that the price for that burden was paid uh, by him. This is also an invitation to closely link our lives to the teachings of Jesus himself. Note that Jesus is not saying you will not carry any yoke at all. Instead, you will now carry my yoke, which is easy and which is light. It is one of learning and following him. It is being intimately connected with one who loves us deeply. So no more bridge selling, no false promises, only the joy of knowing one who is more than able to keep his promises. Let's briefly apply uh, this invitation to our own lives. Firstly, if you're still on the outside, if you're still trying to please God in your own way, if you're still carrying your burdens uh, by yourself, if you've never come, I implore you to hear the words of the living Christ here, because He is the one who is able to lift those burdens, to reconcile you to God, to bring you to a place where you can be adopted into God's family and call upon the Creator of the universe as your Father. The heart of the gospel is that this one who made this invitation carried the sins of the world, carried your sins, and that in Him you can find forgiveness, redemption, new life. So I urge you, to hear his invitation, come, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There are people afterwards who will be willing to, to pray with you, if this is you. If you need to respond to this invitation for the first time. There are many here who have responded, who have come to Christ for the first time, and who may now say, well, this is simply an evangelistic type text. You know, it is, it is for those who um, need to hear it for the first time. I beg to differ, really strongly, in fact, because there are some things in this passage that are really, really important to consider when we look at our own lives uh, as Christians. Firstly, we should preach the gospel with authority. It is so easy to preach the gospel simply as another lifestyle choice. Uh, being a Christian is just some of the, the many, many choices um, that, that people can make. Or we present the gospel in a kind of therapeutic way. Uh, follow Jesus and, and all these wonderful things uh, will, will happen. And sometimes we even make uh, promises that goes beyond the bounds of Scripture. But here Jesus does things in a really different way. Um, he he doesn't present this invitation as merely another alternative uh, or as something that will merely help you to feel better. Uh, he speaks of his own ultimate authority to make this, um, to state very, very clearly that he is speaking on behalf of the Lord of heaven and earth. And, and, and in essence, he's saying, you really need to pay attention to this. This is not mere opinion. This is not... Uh, a mere choice. This is the God of heaven and earth calling you into his kingdom. 
This is, when Jesus send, this is why when Jesus sends his disciples out with the Great Commission, later in the Gospel of Matthew, he prefaces it by saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go into all the nations and make disciples. Because we go in the authority of Christ. And then right at the end, he says, And remember, I will be with you to the very end of the age. So when we repeat this invitation, we can and should do so with authority. Not that we're commanding people into the kingdom. We, we, we're not supposed to do that, obviously. Uh, but very, very clearly telling people that the God of the universe calls you to himself. Will you listen? Will you respond? So firstly, we should teach the gospel, therefore, with authority. Secondly, we should teach a gospel that is not burdensome and wearying, wearying. It is so easy to preach a kind of a legalistic gospel. Believe in Jesus and do all of these things, and then you'll be fine. This is exactly what Christ criticized in the, uh, the conduct of the Pharisees, um, because they were, in essence, uh, preaching a, a gospel of legalism. We can so easily also fall into the trap of preaching a kind of a Jesus plus gospel. Uh, Jesus plus good works, Jesus plus a certain style of worship, Jesus plus, you know, certain spiritual gifts or whatever. And, and I think if we do that, we, we come to the place of actually creating more burdens and putting it on uh, people. So if you are a Christian here today, I want to ask you a pointed question. Do you trust in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation? Um, in other words, have you responded to this invitation and now do you live from this. And secondly, if you share the gospel with other people, is this also the gospel that you teach? Christ and Christ alone. If you hesitated in your answer, it might be time to once again commit to taking up the easy yoke and the light burden. Lastly, we should always remember that the gospel demands a response. This uh, passage contains a really clear invitation. Come, in other words, move from the place where you are right now to, to another state, to, to another place. And we need to constantly keep this in mind. Uh, we, we, we can so easily fall into the trap, perhaps, of saying uh, we, we're doing all sorts of things in the community, uh, and this is sort of pre-evangelism. You know, we, we, we want to one day be able to, to share the gospel. We want to one day be able to make the invitation. I think we need to be much, much more proactive often in, in, in doing this. Um, you know, doing pre-evangelism is all well and good, but do we ever go into what might be called the real thing? <laughs> you know, calling on people quite explicitly to commit their lives to Jesus. We, we are not just working towards people having a slightly better opinion of Jesus or being a little bit more favorable to the church. We want to see people fully committing themselves to coming to submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Jesus calls people to himself. He does so with gentleness and respect. And we should also then, with firmness and with gentleness and respect, uh, repeat this, uh, this call. So let me conclude. I began with George Parker and his bridge for sale. Are we dealing here with a bridge for sale offer? Of course not. We're dealing with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one speaking on behalf of, Lord of, uh, of the Lord of heaven and earth to, um, to call upon us, to come to him. He has all the authority to, uh, to make this invitation. So I want to call upon you, if you haven't responded 
to, to respond to this invitation. If you have responded to, the, to this invitation, um, share it with a world that desperately needs it. May the words come to Christ be part of who you are, what you say, how you live, because this is the way to respond to the glorious, great invitation of the Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, wonderful part of your word, a uh, passage that we all know very, very well. And sometimes, Lord, we recognize that when we, we know something that well, that the impact may be slightly blunted in our own lives. We pray that you will uh, keep us from this, Lord, that we will uh, focus on your word as we should, and Lord, that the, the staggering truths uh, in this passage, will really continue to speak uh, to our hearts in a, in a very, very powerful way. Lord, that uh, we will recognize that this invitation comes with the authority of the King of the universe, calling people uh, to Himself. And Lord, if there are therefore people here today who have not responded uh, to this invitation, I pray that, uh, Lord, You will bring them to the place of realizing that they are in fact also among those who are uh, burdened and heavy laden, and that they need you, Lord Jesus, to take away those burdens and to, uh, to learn from you, the one who is gentle and humble at heart. Lord, there are many of us here who have responded um, to this invitation, who uh, truly believe that you took our burdens, that you are, are our King, our Lord, our Savior. And for us, Lord, I pray that uh, you will Make sure in our own uh, Christian commitment that we repeat this invitation uh, in many ways through word and through deed to those uh, around us and to a wider world that desperately needs it. I pray for this church, Lord, that um, you will make uh, one hope, a community rooted in the gospel, a community rooted in um, understanding your great invitation and also sharing it with their own community and further afield. I pray, Lord, that you will empower them to do this, that you will equip them, and that you will powerfully use them to be uh, your people in a world that uh, needs this message, that needs this invitation uh, in, a, in, a, in a very, very real way. And I thank you that we can pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>